Hungry. If you'll come on Friday, you're, you won't want the stuff. It's so good. I mean, the Bible says, forsake not assembling yourselves together as some would do, especially as you see the day approaching. And boy, that's what we'll get into. We can literally watch everything happening that the Bible said would happen. And it's just markers and signs for us that we're living right before the coming of the Lord. It is kind of bizarre that just as Pastor Stephen was saying, you'll have end time conference after end time conference. And people will come up to me and go, man, I was afraid to come. I was dreading you coming. <laughs> and then they, they were like, they heard good news. So it's sad that end times got such a bad rap. But, you know, I grew up in that too. My mother said every night, Jesus is coming tonight. I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, you, you know that, that crazy look your mom would get in 1970, 71 to 72. <laughs> and, uh, but you can either respond with humility or... or, or or haughtiness. You can either say, I don't believe that, or you can say, Lord, I love you. So everything we'll get into tonight about how close we are is because He loves you so much. He wants you excited. He wants you expectant. He wants you strengthened. Your, your strength will be tied to your joy. You can't get much cooler than knowing you're going to see Jesus face to face. And to literally be that generation, that's what we'll get into. Over the years, I've heard people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Actually, you can if you can read. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like saying if you're driving from, let's see, what's some cities in Charleston to, what's another city 100 miles away from Charleston? What would be good to use? Columbia. Columbia. Let's say you're going from Charleston to Columbia, and it's uh, how many miles? 120 miles? You're going 120 miles. Next sign says 100 miles. Next sign says 80. Next sign says 70. Next sign says 50. You don't go, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. No, the signs tell you you're headed that way. It actually brings you peace. You didn't make the wrong turn. So we'll get into things tonight that show us that we're on our way to the coming of the Lord brings you peace. And Paul wrote Thessalonians that I'm writing this to you to make you happy and hopeful. So if you hear in time preaching that doesn't make you happy or hopeful, it's not Bible. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. (laughs) No, it should encourage you. Jesus' whole thought pattern was when you see these things, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh, indicating you could be downtrodden when you should be so excited. Everything we're going to get into tonight is about how close we are. It'd be just like when Colleen and I got married. Uh, you know, could you imagine you're standing there and you're waiting for your wife to bride to be to walk down the aisle? And as she walks down the aisle, she's all beat up, all depressed, and she goes, "Oh my God, I got to marry that guy." And if I saw her walking down the aisle like that, that wouldn't make me happy. It'd freak me out. So he wants you walking down the aisle, kind of excited. If you, if you weren't excited the night before your wedding, you may have made a mistake. <laughs> Come on, amen. Oh, I, I sure appreciate the Braswell. Sure good to be with you. Uh, uh, we text back and forth and uh, just the thought pattern is the same. Uh, there can be a spirit of faith, a spirit of victory, a spirit of joy. Uh, why? We're redeemed from the curse of the law. You're not, you're not trying to get victorious. You are victorious. Greater is he that's in you than he's in this world. Oh, come on. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. You know, I've tried to preach. I preach on end times so much, but I try to mingle a little bit of dominion in it. Like Elisha in the Old Testament, um, he think about through absorption, the presence of God absorbed in his bones. They threw that dead man into his grave. He comes alive. How crazy is that? That army guy, they tossed him in there and like, well, we know what dead looks like. He was dead. He comes hopping out and uh, there was enough presence of God in his bones to raise that man from the dead. And that's through absorption. You don't have absorption. He's in you. You, you should be careful walking by graves. You might raise people up. Because what Elisha had, he dreamed to look into what you have. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. So, so we're a blessed generation. We'll get into all the signs that point to his return. We'll look at signals. We'll look at different things that show us right where we are in time. 
And uh, just as I was talking to a lady earlier, uh, it's sad that Hollywood has more of a sense of change than the church. Movies about the walking dead, zombies. <laughs> you know, so there's a resurrection coming. They just don't know what it is. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Great, great things. You know, just uh, give you a few reports. I was in Arkansas. It was right before the shutdown. And I had a lady, uh, I had a word of knowledge that a woman's lady, uh, lady's uh, uterus was being healed. Uh, got the report back. She was supposed to have a hysterectomy. was healed. One guy had both rotator cuffs healed. And one guy had to wear, took his glasses off, never had to wear his glasses again. Teaching on end times. <laughs> Miracles. Uh, you probably heard me talk about the other one. I was in South Carolina just before the shutdown in uh, Charleston and I had a word of knowledge at the end, you know, because I'll, I'll try to preach fast and get everything in and have a few words of knowledge or whatever the Lord wants to do. I'll, I'll, I'll change it if he wants me to. But I had a word of knowledge at the end just the other day and uh, that someone's had carpal tunnel syndrome. I'm thinking this is several people. Carpal tunnel syndrome. I said someone's knees are getting healed. Then I said someone you got severed on the inside of your nose. And uh, this probably six foot eight by seven foot guy came walking down at the end. I thought, man, he goes, can I say something? I was a little reluctant because I mean, he looked like a giant. <laughs> OK, Goliath, whatever you want to do, come on down. He said, no, both my arms got healed, uh, uh, a carpal tunnel and my knees got healed. He said, my wife had brain surgery and they went up through her nose. And when they did, they severed a part of the inside of her nose. He said, I text her and she texted me right back and said, I can breathe perfectly through my nose. I literally could tell you story after story after story. I could go all night. You go, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in all my life. I've had words of knowledge where uh, I said, there's someone here. You lost the feeling in your tongue. Keith Johnson's church, his wife walked down. She's a pastor's wife. Before I could pray for her, she goes, I feel my feeling coming back into my tongue. We ate jambalaya that night. She spit her food out. She got her taste back in her mouth and didn't even know how hot the jambalaya was because hadn't even been able to taste it. But how cool of the Lord that he wants you to be able to taste your food. Amen. He's so good. He's so good. Grab your Bibles and uh, turn wherever you think y'all turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. Now, go to Second Peter for just a moment, because I want to get into all of this. And you guys, I believe you get a special crown. I believe on your robe, when we get to, through the reward seat of Christ, that you'll have a corresponding stitching on your sleeves showing that you went to church when other people didn't go. I, I believe that with all of my heart. You'll be able to look at how someone's dressed and go, wow, you went to church on Friday night. Amen. During a pandemic. During a pandemic, that's right. Exactly. Let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you. We love you. Thank you for everyone that came tonight, Father. We're, we're, we're so hungry for you, Jesus. Jesus, uh, be, be, be preeminent to us that our hearts and our minds and our thought pattern would be on our resurrected king. Jesus, we magnify you. We glorify you. We're in awe that you let yourself be beaten like that. So we want to bless you and magnify you and honor you. We, we see you tonight high and lifted up with your train filling the temple. We glorify you. Magnify you and bless you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love, Father, that death could not hold him down. He rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So, Jesus, we honor you, magnify you, glorify you. We're amazed that we get to live right before you return. So help us. Help us tonight see the finish line so that we'll accelerate. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. amen. Go there to Second Peter, if you would. You know, uh, he gives us some info about what it looked like here right before the coming of the Lord. Second Peter, chapter three, he says here, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Notice the tone there. He calls you his beloved, not mad at you, not frustrated with you. The tone changes from the gospels. This is a huge thing I'm getting ready to say. The tone changes from the gospels to the epistles. 
In the Gospels, they're under the law and they're having to jump through hoops to fulfill the law. Once you get into the epistles, you're His beloved. Okay? It's amazing. You're treated totally different. Different set of rules. And a lot of people on TV try to put those legal rules on the church when it comes to the coming of the Lord. For instance, in Luke, he said, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. Amen. He had to tell them to pray their account word because Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead yet. So be careful uh, when he talks about end times. Make sure you look at it through the lens of who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. It'll keep you straight, keep you healthy, keep you out of fear. I think I'll say that again. Here we go. All right. Verse two. (laughs) That you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us and the apostles and Lord and Savior. Knowing this first... They'll come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust, and they'll even say something. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, he says here that the attitude's going to be right before the coming of the Lord. Ah, we've heard he's coming all of our life. You can almost feel that mocking mentality's crept into the church. Ah, I've been hearing that all my life and he hadn't come. Well, he answers that in the next verse. Look at verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Basically, he's saying the flood came when no one believed the flood was going to come. So change came regardless of anybody believing it. I would have thought, you know, when Noah told everyone to get in the boat, I mean, I believe the tone of his preaching had some urgency about it like we've never seen before. But then, all of a sudden, the animals started lining up. I'd have gone, hmm, something's up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, I mean, I can't even get my dog to jump in my truck right, much less get zebras and lions and cougars to climb on a boat. Get a couple of zebras and a couple of lions, see if you can line them up, see if they'll follow your, your lead. So something supernatural happened right before the flood came. Some supernatural stuff happened, and still people wouldn't even respond to that supernatural. The haughtiness of man is like, yeah, I don't believe that. So he said it would be just like that right now in the last days. And you know people like that. Go, yeah, whatever. I know more about that. Well, we'll see. Uh, so that's why we get the truth so that we can be set free. Amen. Truth sets you free. It strengthens you because it's the incorruptible seed. When it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. So Peter's saying these things because of, of the attitude is different than your attitude. They're scoffing and you're rejoicing. You can, you can get around people and you can tell if they've been hanging out with Jesus. I hear people go, well, I'm a real prayer. No, you're not. You'd be happy if you prayed. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. No, you, you hang out with Jesus. There's an ease about you. There's a joy about you. And there's a silliness about you. If you're serious all the time, you don't know the Lord. That didn't go. That didn't go very good. Because <laughs> that's what we've been taught over the years. The more somber you are, and the more uh, that's that's more holy. You no, know? he called himself the oil of gladness. You know what that means? The life of the party. Uh, that's Bible. I mean, anyway. So we have good things to look forward to because our our dad, our Lord, is normal. He's not stoic. He's excited. He picked the Jews to bring his lineage in, and the Jews were like, "Hey, what's up, man?" I mean, there's, so there, there's a he likes that that jubilation. Yeah. Out of the seven different feasts that he, we have, only one of them is reflective. Seven different dress rehearsals for the plan of God. One's reflective. All the six are part. The other six are parties. That's right. Amen. Rejoicing. So he says about this. Let's go a little further. I'm trying to get into the times. Hang with me. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, he calls you his beloved three times in this chapter. You therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, hmm, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked, 
fall from your own steadfastness. So he's saying here, the climate of the day can lead you to fall away from your steadfastness. And why would that be a big deal? The strength you have in you tonight is tangible. The boldness you have in you tonight is tangible. So don't let the, the climate pull you away from that. You can't pull away from something you never had. But man, the word that's been spoken in your hearts, there's a strength in you, there's a, a boldness in you, a daringness in you that no other generation had. Daniel saw you. Isn't it wonderful the Holy Spirit's already prophesied about you? He saw what you looked like. He said you'd be strong. You'd know your God and you would do exploits. Wow, hallelujah. Isn't it good what heaven has seen for the last day church? Not weak and emaciated, but bold. Amen. Let's look at why we get into this. Now, Paul talks about the baptism 12 times. Coming of the Lord, 52 times. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. The flawlessness of the first coming... All the prophecies born in Bethlehem of a tribe of Judah, entering Jerusalem on a colt, preceded by a messenger. They gamble over his robe. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. They pierce him in his side, wear a crown of thorns. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross. You know what the odds are of all those prophecies coming to pass? This is pretty cool. This is just statistics, which I don't really know that much about. <laughs> I did go to class maybe twice <laughs> and left immediately. <laughs> I said, I rebuke this statistics class. In Jesus' name, get thee far from me, Satan. But it's just, it's just math. You know what the odds are of all this happening in one generation? 480 trillion times another billion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In other words, after so many zeros, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance. It didn't happen by chance. God said it and it came to pass. God said it and came to pass. God said it and came to pass. So we can trust Him. He has an extremely good track record. With that, go to Isaiah. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to the signs here. Run to Isaiah for a moment. Run over there for a little bit. This is so cool here. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 46. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's page 519. But go to Isaiah 46. I know this is a ton of information, but we need to get through it because it sets the tone for what we get into about the coming of the Lord. Look at Isaiah. This is so cool. Look at Isaiah 46. Look at verse 9. He said, Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, I'll give you my 2020 version of that. He basically said, This is how you can tell I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. See, that's why the devil hates prophecy, because it proves the authenticity of the Bible. You can talk to a Buddhist, you can talk to a Muslim, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. It's quiet when you say that. You can't help it if your dad happens to be God. You say, well, what's wrong with it? It'll give you a superiority complex. That Peter could jump out and walk on the water. That Jesus could stand in front of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. That Jesus could walk into town and the devils were shaking when He came in. They, they understood the dominance of the King. Yeah. Instant submission. Come on, preacher. <laughs> and you have that with the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. I might do Ellis right there. Come on. We're going to be so shocked. We'll get to heaven. We'll see the rainbow. We'll see the throne. The lightnings and the thundering coming out of the throne. And the Lord's going to see all this. See all this right here. All this that was in you everywhere you walked on the earth. Giddy up. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let me read you some stuff. This is so cool. Tons of info, but hang with me. Okay, you with me? Buckle up. Here we go. Say caffeine. Praise God. 
Listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible, and it'll show you the amazingness of God, the whole plan of redemption. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahaliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings a despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Because he's basically showing you, I'm God. (laughs) Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel would be made a nation. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time. They just weren't paying attention. They should have been out by the throne. Three, two, one. Here he comes. And they weren't. So you can have the info but not be paying attention. So that's what we're going to get into tonight is how we can tangibly, physically tell how close we are. Obviously, we have revelation in our spirit. Even when I was a little kid, before it was hammered into me, I had a sensation that the king's coming. Because God lives in you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, I've never seen the Holy Spirit in the service go, by the way, take your time, you've got all the time in the world. No, there's an urgency. Anytime the Holy Spirit begins to give utterance, there's an urgency. Why? Because time is short. According to His time is much less how our time is. So grab your Bibles there. Look over to Luke. And let's go through and look and see how we can tell how close we are. Because Jesus is going to say some things here that's so clear and so easy to understand to where you can see where you are. Remember, He rebuked them for not knowing the time. He said, you can tell what the weather is going to be, but you don't know your hour of your visitation. So it bothered Him that they didn't know. The only time He ever rebuked the crowd was over not knowing the time. He rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over and over again because they were ornery. (laughs) And he was giving them a hard time. But the crowd, that's the only time over not knowing the time. Now, like right now, we have, we have satellite. They could tell you today exactly when the winds were going to hit a certain part because the radar tells them exactly where it is. If we're smart enough to figure that out, how much more heavenly things. Yeah. Come on. Amen. So watch Jesus give us some clues here about the second coming. Now, in the Gospels, all of the Gospels are all about the second coming. They're not about the rapture. The rapture was a mystery. The rapture and the church age was a mystery. How God segmented that, absolutely amazing. Because they thought, man, he's going to set up his kingdom right here. And he goes, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And they go, church? What's a church? We want a kingdom. So this 2,000 year period was completely off the radar. So in the Gospels, you will not hear rapture teaching. We'll get into that tomorrow night. Matthew 24, and one's taken and one's left. That's not the rapture. That's at the second coming. The wicked are taken off the earth. Okay, so all of all of the Gospels are all second coming. That helps us comprehend it. But watch Jesus and look how clear he is. You got your Bibles there? Go to Luke, Luke 21. Did I not tell you where to go? I'm sorry. Uh, Luke 21, verse 24. Watch the Lord here in verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, that's a pretty bold statement to say, hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, time's up. So when did that happen? 1967. Israel was completely surrounded, won the Six Day War. And Jesus said, when you see the Jews get Jerusalem back, time's pretty much up. I mean, that's pretty radical. Miracle after miracle after miracle happened to get them Jerusalem back. I mean, just absolutely. Remember, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you sell real estate, what's it all about? Location, location, location. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read right to left, left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to, to Jerusalem where the center is. And the devil's so stupid. 
<laughs> Last time I was in Israel, okay, there's a mosque right here. That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right here. That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque right here. That's where the ascension was. The devil thinks he can cover up what Jesus did by putting a mosque there. Yeah. All I did was give you a tour guide. <laughs> You don't even need to know where something... You just know there's a mosque right there. Jesus did something cool. You can go to the Temple Mount. In the center of the Temple Mount, there's the Dome of the Rock. And in Arabic, it says in a circle, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. Gave His life for us. Amen. So Jesus ties it to Jerusalem. You know, I, I won't get into all of it, but you've heard the story before. I've told it several times. Remember the Egyptian army was coming down against them? 88 Egyptian tanks coming down into, into Israel. One Israeli cook... He's a cook, doesn't even know how to fire a shell. He goes, you know what though? I'm going to figure it out because I'm not going to go out with that if I don't go out with a bang. Climbs into a tank, figures out how to load the turret. I don't know how you do that. I mean, if you threw me in a tank, I'd be going, this is cool, but I don't know how to fire a shell. Figures out how to fire a shell, starts firing shells at the Egyptian army. One Israeli tank, 88 Egyptian tanks. Next thing you know, the Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. The Israeli guy goes, highest ranking officer, it's just me. And the Egyptian commander said, no, it's not just you. The whole night, the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night and we can't take it anymore. It's called a miracle. You, you, can, you can look up the guy I'm talking about. He's interviewed on YouTube called Against All Odds. He said, I don't even believe in this stuff. <laughs> but something happened. Duh. He doesn't even believe it afterwards, much less right in the middle of it. But that's one. There's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle but because of the timing. And you've got to go back to 1917 to get that thought pattern. We'll go back to it here in a minute. But it was 50 years from 1917 when Israel's land was turned over by, by Allenby. We'll get into that here in just a second. But exactly one jubilee from 1917, 1967, Jerusalem was won back. God's on a flawless timetable. So let's go a little further. And let's go down to verse 29. And he's going to get even clearer. Because that's pretty clear. Look at verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree. That we know that's the nation of Israel. And all the trees. He's talking about the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is night hand. I like this. So cool. He said, hey, you can tell of your own selves that summer's coming when, when the trees begin to bud. So he says, when Israel's made a nation, you can see and know something. So in 1948, when they were regathered, it should preach to us. We can see something, we can know something. Look at it, right? Hitler killed six million Jews right before Israel's regathered. Lucifer thought, if I can just stop Israel from coming back, I can keep the word from coming to pass. Couldn't keep the word from coming to pass. Woo, hallelujah. Against every odd there ever was, God regathered them. People got off of airplanes and they said, I don't even know why I'm here. Something drew me back because God said, in the latter years, I'll bring them back to their land. It's the biggest miracle right in front of our eyes. Tangible, visible miracle. I wasn't there when Moses split the Red Sea, but I'm here to watch all this. Come on. So we're very, 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 very privileged. Watch Jesus get even clearer. Look what he says in the next verse. So likewise, in the same manner, or just as bold as you are, when the trees begin to bud, you can tell summer's coming. I mean, I've never seen someone, when the trees start budding, go, hey, summer's not coming this year. <laughs> Seriously? No, the, tree, the trees are preaching to me that summer's coming. I don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out the temperature's getting ready to change. Because the trees are preaching to me there's a change coming. Likewise, just as bold as you are about that, when you see these things come to pass, no. <laughs> when you see these things come to pass, no. You ought to circle the word no. He didn't say wonder. He didn't say sense. He said when you see these things come to pass, no, that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. That's awesome. Wow. Look at the next verse. You got your shot and clothes on? 
Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away. What generation? The one that sees the fig tree bud and Jerusalem one back. That generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. I hear people go, I don't like that. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. You happen to be that generation whether you like it or not. I mean, how wonderful is that though to have Jesus break it down for you to go, that generation is the one He's coming in. He gives you two signs to know you are. That's pretty bold. But let's talk about it for a minute. He said, you could see and know of your own selves. That word see and know, remember Kenneth Hagin prophesied about a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing on the church. So we're to have an attitude of seeing and an attitude of knowing. Why? Because that's what the Bible says there'd be right there. So hang with me. We know 1917, some major things happened. Allenby, remember, Australian general gets on that biplane, flies down into Israel, and they passed out leaflets back then before they bombed, you know. Leaflets were passed out everywhere. Allenby's coming, Allenby's coming. They didn't know that his name in Arabic meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So everybody that picked his sheets up were like, hey, a prophet sent from God is coming to deliver the land. They dropped their weapons. They don't, they, how in the world are we going to fight against a prophet from God? The land was turned over to Israel. Same year, same year. 1917 is a big year. They even a movie about it this last year. Kenneth Hagin born in 1917. Jesus appears to his mother before he's born. <laughs> I love this. Says the name him John. She doesn't name him John. She names him Kenneth. Don't you love that? <laughs> Jesus standing there. You go, yeah, I don't like, I don't like that John stuff. I'll do Kenneth. <laughs> Whatever. But the Lord told her what his job would be. He would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. Wow. Think about it. I preached in Rama, Australia, preached in Rama, Italy, preached in Rama, Geneva, Rama, Lausanne, Switzerland, Rama, Zurich, Rama, Australia, Rama, Taiwan, Rama, name a country that Brother Hagen's influence hasn't gotten there through the simple teaching of the word. No fanfare. No. No balloon animals. <laughs> Just teaching the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. That he would have a part, not everything, but a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Look up Hagen. You know what Hagen means in the Hebrew? One to go before to pair of people for the coming of the Lord. Go ahead and preach. That's radical. That's so radical. The same definition as John the Baptist. So, so in these certain years, certain specific things happen that are tangible that we can look at that preach to us. It's, these things are communicating to us that God's about to come back to the planet. I mean, when the Lord gets, look at the next verse. Watch what the Lord says. Notice this in the next verse. Heaven and earth will pass away. Actually, it will be altered is what it means in the Greek. Heaven and earth will be altered, but you, these words you can't alter. In other words, what I'm saying here is you can mark it down. The group that sees Israel reestablished and Jerusalem back. Buckle up, guys. I'm coming back. So what that should do is produce fuel. Just like you know, we talk about a football game, the two-minute warning. I hear people tell me, well, you don't need to know when the Lord's coming back. Tell a quarterback that in the last two minutes of a game. He's looking at the clock, the clocks, because the, the two-minute clock, the play clock's telling him I've got to be urgent. It freaks me out when I'm watching a quarterback that's not urgent. I'm sitting there going, hike the ball! I mean, because I'm watching the clock tick down. You want people to act. Yeah. Heaven's feeling that way about the church. The, clock, the clock's ticking down. The church kind of going, hey, praise the Lord, Jesus is coming. And instead, instead of being on point, urgent. <laughs> Remember, pastor's office exudes decency. Traveling guy exudes urgency. So it's hard for me to be too decent. I need to be urgent. Amen. Come on. So let's talk about this. Those are two main signs. We've got about 50. Let's run through a few of them, then we'll get to signals, because I want you to come back tomorrow night. We'll talk about the rapture of the church. Talk about the church being caught up. 
being evacuated. How cool would that be? Just like Enoch was raptured, Elijah was raptured. We're talking about today. Elijah knew the day of his rapture. He said, if you see me the day I go, it'll be so. And the sons of the prophet said, don't you know your master's going to be raptured today, taken from you today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. <laughs> so we'll get into some things about the rapture tomorrow night. But let's go through the signs of the second coming because it really preaches to us. We know the rapture of the church will be called up to meet Jesus in the air. Go to the reward seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we'll come back with Him physically at the second coming on white horses. I mean, how cool is that? I've, I've, I've flown uh, on a lot of planes. I've even ridden a lot of horses. I've gotten bucked off of horses, but I've never flown on a horse. So I'm praying there's going to be a little bit of remedial school on horse flying. <laughs> you know, in between some of the stuff we're doing up there. It's like, oh, by the way, giddy up, here we go. How do the flaps work on this thing? How are my ailerons working? My ailerons are a little different on this horse than an airplane. So great things ahead. Let me just say this. I feel this often. I hear people go, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. It's because you're not done. The rapture is not an ending. It's a beginning. We'll get into that Sunday morning. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You're not done at the rapture. You're just getting started. Hallelujah. Amen. So, let's go through these signs. A lot of them. Let's go through them. The first one, obviously, would be Israel made a nation. second one, Jerusalem won back. He said, if you see those two, you're the generation. So, we're privileged. We're blessed. And then he goes on from there. The next sign would be the Hebrew language restored. Think about it. A hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. One guy, Eliyahu ben Yehuda, said, you know what? We ought to speak Hebrew here. Came up with new words for fountain pen and airplane. Now the whole nation speaks Hebrew. You should Google it. See when that ever happened before. Never. You can't find them speaking Hittite. You can't find them speaking Amorite. You can't find them speaking Canaanite. But you can hear them speaking Hebrew. Because God said, I'll do this just before the coming of the Lord. So you got miracles happening just before Jesus comes that God told us would happen before they come. When did it happen? Your lifetime. It's pretty radical. All right, the next one would be, this is pretty, pretty amazing, the Ethiopian Jews brought back. God said, right before the coming of the Lord, I'll, I'll bring them back to their homeland. 18,000 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted in one day. The C-130s from Israel went right down into Ethiopia and airlifted them all. Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News said, an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN's preaching about what God's doing, you better look up. The Lord is about to come back. Amen? <laughs> Trust me. Preaching about God doing stuff in the earth. Wow. When did that happen? 1992. So in your lifetime, He did what He said He'd do just before the Messiah comes. Pretty crazy. The only time ever in history the manifest on the plane said 180 passengers, and when they landed, it had 187. They had seven babies born on that plane. Had three babies born on that plane. How crazy is that? They said, well, what do you put on their birth certificate? They born in Egypt? They born in Israel? Put airborne. You don't know where they... I mean, where, where would you put? You don't know where you are. It won't be cool to see those little babies, you know, that came back in that. So, so you got the language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. The next one would be the revival of the Roman Empire. That's a pretty big deal because that's the platform for the Antichrist called the EU. I preached in Norway, flew from Norway down to France. Don't even check your, don't even check your passport because it's like the United States. But the, 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 their money has the woman from the book of Revelation on it. See, it's the platform for the Antichrist. You can go to the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. This is crazy. You need to Google this tonight. I know I talk about it every time I come. It still freaks me out. The Capitol building is not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. 
They were showing it today on the History Channel. They were talking about the God particle in Switzerland. They showed the Tower of Babel. How the God particle in Switzerland is a particle collider. Uh, they're trying to look for the God particle just like the Tower of Babel. They were trying to get access to God. You know what? Uh, CERN is the name of the company in Switzerland there. The particle collider. It's an atom splitter. Guess what their logo is? You should Google it tonight. 666. It's crazy. So a company looking for the God particle has the, the number of the mark of the beast. Wow. Well, good night, everybody. Drive safely. That, that goes over real good. Wow. So there's a, a lot to the, 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 the revival of the Roman Empire. You've got in the Capitol building, you have just everything about Nebuchadnezzar. This whole system of we'll make our own way to God. The, the molecule of iron is magnified right out in front of the building. It's a, it's a piece of art. So God said he'd bring all these nations together as a platform for the Antichrist. He's done that. When do you do it? Your lifetime. Every one of these things are markers for us showing us that God's doing something in our lifetime. And boy, you, you could talk about it for days, but we're going to get to a few things here in a minute that have happened in the last two weeks, things that have happened in the last month. These are things that happened in 1956, 1992, 1948. I got stuff that happened last week that I went, oh my God, we'll get to them here in just a minute. And I'm like, how is stuff happening every week that's freaking me out that are tangible signs? Okay, after that, you've got the fertility of the land of Israel. I mean, pretty amazing that Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Mark Twain was there. He said, the land is so desolate, it won't support life. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be crazy uh, that you put some fruit in my room? What if I ate a banana and said, made New Jersey? Eat an apple, made New Jersey. Eat a pear, made New Jersey. Man, what's up with New Jersey? Israel's the size of New Jersey and produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Because wow. the dirt is so blessed. I've been up on the Golan Hot many times. You go up on the northern part of Israel, uh, where Syria is and Lebanon, and you don't have, no one has to tell you where the border is. It's lush, dark green grass. You get to Syria's border, it's, there's dirt. Come on, I told him, the guy there, I said, this is what I said. I said, do you guys use Scott Super Turf Builder? Do you have a sprinkler system? To get my grass to look like their grass, I've got to use Scott's four times a year. And I even called Scott and said, hey, I'm using your fertilizer and it's not working. The lady on the phone said, that's right. We detuned it because we thought it was so strong. I said, well, I need the strength of that. She goes, you've got to put almost three or four times as much as you used to. So to get my grass to look remotely like their grass, I've got to fertilize, 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 and water, water, water. They don't have to do anything because God said, I'll make, I'll, make, I'll make the land preach for me. You could get into so much stuff. Dear God, I've been on Mount Carmel before. The first time I was there on Mount Carmel, all of a sudden I heard this jet spooling up. I thought, what in the world? F-16 comes shooting out of a hole in the ground. Mount Carmel overlooks the Megiddo Valley where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Israel has an underground runway right there. I told my buddy, I said, man, that F-16 just came out of the hole in the ground. He goes, you're crazy. Next thing you know, another one's spooled up. F-16 shoots straight up vertical out of the hole in the ground. I go, I'm not losing my mind. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Israel just knows how to do it. Not only know how to grow crops, they got, they got F-16s that come straight up out of the hole in the ground. I'm telling you, they know what they're doing. Praise the Lord. The hand of the Lord is upon them, we might say. Amen. Come on. So, all these tangible things. Let's go through some more. Probably the Temple Mount Institute is another big one. Now, what's that? That's a group of Jewish believers. Their last name's called Cohen. They've been going to school for 20-something years how to be priests. I've been there many times. They have all the articles ready for sacrifice, all the instrumentation. All they needed was the oil, was the oil of anointing. About seven years ago, they found the oil of anointing out where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. They, they tested it. It's the exact ingredients from the book of Leviticus. 
four weeks ago, the Sanhedrin got in touch with Benjamin Netanyahu and said, can we have sacrifices on the Temple Mount? He said, no, but they, they have a makeshift altar. This truck pulls up, they unload this altar, and they had sacrifices on the edge of the Temple Mount. I watched the video. They cut the lamb right there and let his blood pour out. So they're trying to get to do sacrifices on the Temple. Last week, the, 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 the police chief that just got elected said, you know what, it's time for us to have sacrifices on the Temple Mount. Another member of parliament came out last week and said, it's time to have sacrifices on the Temple Mount. The Jordanian government instantly responded, you ain't having no sacrifices on the Temple Mount. So that's where all that friction is going to be over Jerusalem. So, so you have all that happening right now. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you can go to that site and look at it, and it's just like, oh my God, right in your face. But there's more. One of the ones I really like, and I don't want to, give, I don't want to bore you or wear you out, but hey, everybody with me a little bit longer? Everybody with me a few more minutes? You take a little bit more? Because we've got some signals to get to. But I want to get through a couple more signs. This one kind of freaked me out. I'm watching the Animal Planet, because I'm an I'm a ESPN guy, or Golf Channel. And, uh, <coughs> not an Animal Planet channel. But I happened to be watching it several years ago. This Israeli ornithologist came on. And that's a bird specialist. The only reason I know that's because my brother was. He went to college for nine years to study birds. Yeah, my dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. <laughs> kind of sad, nine years of college, learned how to play cards. But this ornithologist said, we don't understand. It's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. I mean, my ears perked up. What? Largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species of predatory birds. I'm thinking, she goes, we don't understand it. My, my heart kind of freaked out. I understand it. Right after the Ezekiel 38 war, which is just after the rapture, he calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later, at the Battle of Armageddon, calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. So you got, you got animals in position. They've got to eat something. Come on, you got Russia's gone into Crimea. Russia's all over Syria. Russia's got bases all over Syria. Russia has a base three and a half kilometers from the edge of Israel. In Syria. What's the need of setting up all those bases? They don't need to be there. What are they there for? Right after we leave, they're going to invade Israel, the Bible says. Well, there's so much more you can get into that. So God's got unsaved guys ready to have sacrifices. They're not even born again yet. They're going to get born again, but they're not. They're not born again. He's got them in position to have sacrifices. God's got a nation in position that's going to invade Israel. God's got birds in position. Ezekiel prophesied there'd be fish in the Dead Sea. Guess when they showed up? Last year. So you got birds in position, fish in position, Temple Mount Institute in position. What's the church doing? If God can move all these groups together to be where they're supposed to be, how much more the church? Oh man, there should be, there should be such a wild mentality in the church that you scare people you come in contact with because you're so happy. People should be telling you to break that pill in half. They go, dude, you need, to, you need to change your medication, buddy. You, you done maxed out. Exactly right, I maxed out. Come on. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the shepherd and the bishop of my soul. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the brightness of the glory of God. That's who he is. That's why I can't help but act crazy. I'm redeemed. <laughs> If you, if you can't get happy, you need to get redeemed. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so there are all these tangible signs. Radical, 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 radical. I mean, just there's so many more. Men will be lovers of themselves who have selfie sticks. 
I told you I was in Los Angeles. This guy was walking down the road, had two selfie sticks, almost got hit by a car. How would you know we'd be living when we're so interested in taking photographs of ourselves? How weird is that? <laughs> All right, there's a couple more signs that these happened in the last few weeks, and then we want to keep moving because I want to get to the signals. This is really, really radical. Okay, maybe four or five weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. The ritual baths around the Temple Mount filled up with water. First time in 2,000 years. The rabbi said, oh my God, it's time for the Messiah. Sea of Galilee overflowed twice in the last two weeks. The rabbi said, oh my God, it's time for the Messiah. It's preaching to them. Okay, foxes showed up on the Temple Mount about six months ago. I saw the front page of the Jerusalem Post. There's foxes there on the Temple Mount. I thought, what's that big deal? Lamentations 5.18. The Bible says when you see foxes on the Temple Mount, that means the Temple Mount's gotten so desolate, it's time for the Messiah to come. So you've got all these things happening that are pointing to the Messiah coming. One more, which was really cool, which I don't really quote from rabbis because I've got to have Scripture and verse, but this rabbi got saved. Iksak Kaduri. 106 years old, I think, is when he died. Jesus appears to him. How cool is that? And he accepts Jesus as his Lord. And he writes a letter saying, okay, open this letter. A year after I've gone home with the Lord, they open the letter. And he said, I've come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. It freaked them all out because he's like the Kenneth Hagin of rabbis. So all of a sudden they're finding out that Jesus is the Messiah. It just messed up their doctrine. But the cool thing was they started looking at his writings. He prophesied that right before the coming of the Messiah, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. Last Monday, Israel swore in Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz. They decided to jointly rule Israel because of the coronavirus. He said, when you see Israel ruled by two Benjamins, it's time for the Messiah. Wow. wow. Man. He had some other prophecies, too. That were, he even said that they'd have a hard time forming the government. They had a hard time forming the government. They had three different elections. They could, no, one, no one had a majority. It's a weird way they, they do elections, but here God's got a Benjamin in office. Right here before we leave. Two Benjamins. So those are signals, signs, just before the coming of the Messiah. The sad thing is, they think the Messiah is about to come, but really it's going to be the Antichrist. Because the real Messiah is not coming for several years later, which is our Jesus. But the Bible says they're going to take in the Antichrist like he's the Messiah. And then midway through the trib, he goes into the Temple Mount and says, I'm God. And they're like, oops, Jesus called it the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel. What, what, what a nut-oh moment to all of a sudden think, have your Messiah be, tail grows out and horns grow out. That's not the Messiah. That's the devil. I mean, you talk about a nut-oh moment. I mean, so that's when the Bible says, listen, the Jews run into Petra for safety. And right now you've got Judea and Samaria getting ready to be opened up so they can get close to Petra. Because when that happens, they're going to go right across the field there and get safety away from the Antichrist. Pretty crazy. Everybody still with me for a couple more minutes? Let's do signals because I want to do signals real quick and I'll let you go. I won't come back tomorrow night. Remember, he who preaches short shall be heard again. I don't want to wear you out. John Osteen said that. We used to go to John Osteen's church in 1970. And uh, uh, man, what a great... I listened to some of his stuff on YouTube today. It's so good. All right, let's talk about signals for a minute. These are so cool. You've heard them all, and I know you got them all, but let's run through them. Just There's about three or four I want to talk about. They're pretty remarkable. Number one, what's the first signal? The Bible says in Genesis that the planets would be for signals for us. So we can look at the stars and the planets, and of course that got perverted to where Lucifer had taken charge of that to make it look like if you're looking at the stars, you're a psycho, but we don't have our life ruled by the stars. But you can see the future with that, obviously, because Jesus put the plan of redemption in the stars. If you look at the constellations, they all show the plan of redemption. Come on. They, they really do. I don't have time to preach on it, but they just do. 
But, I mean, think about the Magi <laughs> going to see the birth of Jesus because Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus came together. So they had enough brains to know when those three planets came together, something's up, birth of a king. But before that, we had the blood red moons. We'll get into the, the planets here in a minute. But the blood red moons are a pretty big deal. I mean, uh, how crazy is to have blood red moons on Passover, tabernacles, four in a row. Now, what's Passover? When he died for us. What's tabernacles? Second coming. He's going to come back and tabernacle with man. So the heavens are going, I died for you, I'm coming back. <laughs> I died for you, coming back. Four in a row. NASA calls it a tetrad. When's the last time you had four blood red moons in a row on Passover and tabernacles? Listen to these years. 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1492, I mean uh, 1948 when Israel's made a nation. That's pretty radical. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you got the heavens showing us this on precise dates that, that coincide with things with Israel. That's pretty radical. I remember uh, preaching on it for a while, maybe three or four years before, and I had a big sign I could put up on the wall that had all the, you know, the blood moons and the dates for them and all that. And I was all excited about it and preaching on it a little bit, you know, just trying to get people to live. This is kind of cool. And right before it, in March of that year, I was preaching in Grosbeck, Texas. I was walking through the floor of my hotel praying in tongues. Parasia, Tandamandra, Gredivisia, Terema. I kept praying out April to see, April to see. Now, April is when the first blood red moon is going to be. And I started praying that out, April to see, April to see. And I thought, man, what's up? I started calling all my buddies, you know, hey, well, uh, what's going to happen in April? You know, is there some kind of revival? or you know? Because he kept saying, April to see, April to see. Well, that, that first blood red moon, Colleen and I got out in my backyard. I built an outdoor fire. It's kind of cold that spring, you know. All of a sudden, there come that, that moon turned bright red, blood red. And the Lord goes, I told you you'd see in April. I go, that's what you're talking about? He goes, I made the moon turn blood red on the day my son died for you. So here I preached about it and was wanting more fanfare. <laughs> so it doesn't get much bigger than the bridge is out. <laughs> I'm coming back. And I hear people go, well, nothing happened on the blood red maze. That's exactly right. They're indicators. Just like when you turn your blinker on, you're not turning. You're getting ready to turn. The blood red moons are to tell you something's getting ready to happen. You're about to have the entrance of the king. So when you have, you have the, the planets doing things that are getting ready for it. The Bible says at the second coming, it's so violent. Now, Jesus is about six feet tall, but at the entrance of Jesus, the mountains break away. Let me say it again. There are no more mountains when Jesus comes and puts His foot on the Mount of Olives because of the earthquake so violent at the entrance of our God. Wow, giddy up. <clears throat> Alright, so you got blood red moons. After that, you got the Bethlehem star. I mean, there's a bunch you could teach on the blood red moons. The gap was 19 years and 48 years, the very thing Israel made a nation. I told the Lord, you're just showing off now. <laughs> but then you had the Bethlehem star. We remember Bethlehem star. I talked about it a second ago. You had Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus come together. Jupiter's a king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, mother planet. Men are from Mars, women from Venus. All three of them came together. The Magi said, you know what? Why don't we go down? We're gonna, the, the king's going to be born. The planets are telling us that. Can you imagine your buddies getting on camels riding 500 miles? My buddies would have said, this better be over the top. If I'm, if I'm going to ride 500 miles, this better be the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, they see the three planets come together. The constellation was Virgo because he's born of a virgin. This last year, NBC Nightly News said we have a celestial event. We've got Jupiter. We've got Regulus. We've got Venus. Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. It's pretty radical. 
So you've got some celestial events. I mean, this year, <laughs> you've had nine times asteroids come within really close to the Earth in one month, last month, 34 times this year. Some of them have come, done a flyby, and we didn't see it till after it flew by. They said there's going to be an asteroid in 2028 that people on the earth will be able to see it and make its first run in 2027. They'll have a whole year to watch it. Then that while you're sitting at home going, hmm, there's an asteroid making a run toward the earth. <laughs> because the Bible says one's going to hit during the tribulation called wormwood. It's going to make a third of the waters radioactive. I preached this in Russia. I said the word worm, wormwood and people gasped. I thought, what's the deal? It's the word Chernobyl. So you're seeing the setup for all this right now. I mean, it's just crazy. All right, so that's a pretty big one. Then you had Mercury do a flyby of the sun. Went down directly over the Temple Mount. It happens about five times in a century, but it doesn't go right down over the Temple Mount. The planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Orion changed its instrument to hammer. It hammer and sickle on the same day. That's Russia's symbol. So God's just trying to show them, if they're paying attention, He's even showing them the nation that's going to mess with them. Russia. Like, get ready, you're going through the threshing floor. All of this stuff, now hang with me, all of this stuff is leading up to that seven-year period. That's what the coronavirus is. It's Matthew 24, 8. It's not the tribulation. It's right before the tribulation. Jesus said some things are going to happen on the earth just before the tribulation. Pestilence, famines, <laughs> you got world war, earthquakes in diverse places. Israel had two earthquakes last week. One, one happened in the Vatican simultaneous with the one in Israel. You had an earthquake in Spokane a couple of days ago. Oklahoma had 2,400 earthquakes last year. Guess where the number one seismic activity place was on the planet last year? Oklahoma. Not where the wind comes sweeping down the planet, but where the earth starts shaking. Amen. So that's pretty radical, but the coronavirus, you know what Jesus said they would be? Those things would be in Matthew 24, 8. It's not the tribulation yet. The tribulation starts in verse 9. He said it would be birth pains, contractions, how many of you know he's saying some things are going to happen on the earth that will be so severe that you can't ignore them? How many of you ladies, when you went into labor, did you ignore it? No, you knew if you did, you need to pay attention. It's like that movie. I don't know nothing about birth of no baby. I, 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 man, you, when the contractions start, you immediately go to the hospital. So Jesus compared them to contractions. And boy, you talk about getting everybody's attention. This next signal will get your attention. Are you ready for this? Don't shoot me now. I'm just the messenger, okay? Don't want to get, just, just don't shoot the messenger. Don't get mad at me, okay? You ready for this one? I'll give you some stuff about President Trump. This will freak you out. It's pretty cool. <sighs> okay, midway through his presidency, I was in Birmingham, Alabama on the exact midpoint. That day there was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon. When, when Trump was born, there was a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. Now listen to this. When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. Okay, we know the, the, the coming of the Lord is going to be on Feast of Trumpets. We know that. Uh, Pentecost has been fulfilled. The next feast will be fulfilled is Trumpets. Say our president's name and our vice president's name, Trump Pence. Our president and vice president's name mean the coming of the Lord. Just like Israel is ruled by two Benjamins, America is ruled by two people that their name means the coming of the Lord. So that's just a coincidence. There are no such thing as coincidences. I, I, I preached that in California and people gasp. <laughs> people just like, oh my, oh my God, I've never heard me like that all my life. 
you know, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, just moving the embassy. You know how Trump moved the embassy? John Hagee met with him, said, you know what? The embassy should be in Israel. He said, okay. Tomorrow. Made, the, made the announcement the next day. Everybody else was, you know, Saudi Arabia is going to hurt us. No, they didn't hurt us. It's destiny. So those are signals. I mean, you've gone from signs. And when you're, when you're riding on the freeway, the signs tell you how close you are. Once you get into town, you don't need signs. You've got signals. You've got traffic signals. You're here. I'm just telling you, you're here. Come on. I mean, it's like as a, as, a, as a preacher and as a believer, I'm so expectant and so excited. I'm about to see Jesus. It, it changes my life. Now, I'm, I'm closing right now, but I want you to get this. If you really believe the Lord's about to come back, you'll live differently. You'll be kinder. You'll be sweeter. Could you imagine right when we come along? Hey, what are you doing? No, no there should be a softness about you. Amen. I mean, hanging out with Jesus makes you softer, makes you kinder, makes you easier to get along with. If you're hard to get along with, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. And I'll shut up with this. Uh, when Colleen and I got married, I, uh, the day of our wedding, she'd had some friends come in from California. I don't know how many bridesmaids there was, but there's a lot. <laughs> they, had, they had one of their friends come in that you did the makeup for Whitney Houston and all these other fancy people. So they're getting all their makeup done up in the house. So while they're doing that, I had a gift from Tiffany's that I bought. I can't remember if it was earrings or bracelet or something or necklace, you know. But just to have that Tiffany's box, that's a big deal. So while they're all getting ready, I have my best man take my wife, my wife-to-be, a gift from Tiffany's. And I have one of my buddies in the backyard playing her favorite songs on the piano. Why? I want her to be excited that day. Not like, oh my God, I'm getting ready for this. I'm marrying that guy. Another one bites the dust. Here we go. No, I want that day to be special, you know. So I get her something from Tiffany's. I have the music playing that she likes. If I think to surprise my wife to be like that, how much more do you think the Lord's thinking about you? He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to lift you up. He wants you so happy that, that you're just like, something is obviously wrong with me. I'm just saying this right now. We're... I believe we have a little bit more time to harvest, but not much. I'm telling you, the king's coming back. Mm. Man, what's the protocol to all of a sudden see him, uh, the one that gave his life for us? We'll, we'll worship like we've never worshipped. There'll be a joy like we've never had before. So let, this, let your home be a forerunner to that. Where everybody that comes in your house go, man, I just sense peace in your home. It's Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you've got stuff wrong, you've got things going on in your life, he can fix it. He's the quicker fixer-upper. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can really put on him and go, hey, he's not going to go, oh, wow, I've never seen that. No, he can pretty much handle anything. The guy I worked for, I worked for this prophet years ago. And we had a lady in our office that volunteered every day. And I said, how come this lady's so faithful? I mean, she's there before all of us. And she's not getting paid. She's just a volunteer. I said, what's she, what, what, what makes her so faithful? This is like 83 or 84. Well, she had had a hysterectomy, didn't have a, a uterus anymore. And she's in the guy at one of this prophet's meeting, and he called it out and he said, you know, someone's getting healed, their uterus is getting healed. So I don't know, several months later, she goes, man, I started feeling weird. Went to the doctor, and the doctor goes, you're pregnant. And she goes, I can't be pregnant. You took my uterus out. He goes, the uterus I took out, you have a brand new one in there in place of it. Wow. She, she volunteered every single day at the office. I said, man, why is she so faithful? God put a new baby holder on the inside of her, and she had a baby. How, cra- how crazy is that? You, I'd like to see the look on that doctor go, I took your uterus out. You have a new uterus. That's crazy. 
He's more than enough. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all those that came tonight. I ask you to bless their households, bless their jobs, bless their kids. Father, this season of anticipation, help it, help it push us to run faster. We look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, you're, you're, you're the focal point of our lives. Help us be soul winners. Help us to get more people born again. Help us to walk just like you walk, Jesus. I thank you for your blessings upon this church, Lord. What you've said over this church, Lord, the words you've spoken over this church. And Father, these other pastors here, thank you for blessing them and blessing everyone that came. That this, this would be the best year we've ever had so far, even in the middle of a pandemic. We thank you for it, Father. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You know, uh, this sounds weird, but I'll call it out because I, I, could, I could tell you the weirdest words of knowledge. You just go, that's just nuts. Someone here, you got like a pressure on your eye. I don't even know what that means. But it's like a pressure on your eye, uh, your lens. Never, never heard of that? No, don't even worry about it. I told, I told you before, I've had the weirdest word of knowledge. I had one in Mount Pleasant, Iowa that someone can't write. I called it out real fast and kept preaching, you know, because I was in a hurry. And this guy walks up to me afterwards, and he's bawling. I thought, I thought he was mad at me or something. I'm talking to some of my friends. This guy, Aah! I thought, man, what's, what, what happened? And he goes, who shot your dog? You know, I, I didn't know what was. <laughs> He had never written before in his life, had a disease kind of like dyslexia. He goes, I've ne- he's 30 years old, never written before in my life. He said, you called that out and I wrote a poem about the coming of the Lord. Wow. Now, he's, he's living and doing fine, but the Lord loves him so much, he wants him to be able to write. So if you're here tonight and you've got stuff wrong with your body, you're redeemed, you're healed. Period. Don't try to get healed, you are healed. That'd be like saying, I got saved, I'm going to try to get saved again. No, you are saved. You are healed. Amen. Thank you guys for coming so much tonight. I know you're super busy and you took the time to come. We'll get tomorrow night into the rapture. We'll have pictures of the Antichrist. It'd be amazing. Just kidding. No pictures of the Antichrist. <laughs> Give Pastor Stephen a big hand as he comes. Pastor Stephen, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Wow. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen.